I enjoy that hymn, I Need Thee Every Hour, and I love the message of it. And, and it's a slow, thoughtful song with deep meaning. But it's a, if you think about it, it's a joyous song, you know, it's because we're not begging for something that's unattainable. We're saying, I need thee. We're recognizing, we're surrendering. And this is the good kind of surrender. This is the turning it over to someone that can make a difference. Someone who can handle the problems that we think that we can handle, but we have no business trying to manage ourselves. We are truly blessed to have the God that we have. Last week, we began the new year by talking about intentionality. And this is a vision that we have cast for 2022, to do more than merely hear the word of God, but also to do his will. To do more than just tell someone who is struggling that we are with them in spirit, but to literally be by their side in presence and in prayer. To do more than give God an hour on Sunday or trim that down to listening to 25 minutes of a sermon while we're doing other things, but to actually be participating in worship throughout every moment of our lives. In the most simplest of terms, intentionality is purposely putting our faith into action. God has created you with love, care, and purpose. You are absolutely and perfectly equipped with all that you need to achieve all that God intends for you to achieve. You have the necessary ingredients to fulfill that purpose. And how reassuring it is to know that you truly can accomplish anything that you should be able to accomplish. What a blessing. There are so many things of lesser importance that we try to act outside of our created design without applying the amount of effort and importance that we need or without having all the necessary ingredients. We try to do these things that were never ours to do and real easy thing to do is say, like to control situations that aren't ours to control. And it just leads in, in discouragement and frustration. But the things that God designed you to do, which is similar but not identical what he's designed for me to do, we have been fully equipped to do those things. And those things are what's possible. But sometimes we put our efforts in things that aren't ours to do. Like I slowly come to terms that I may no longer be a fitness model. I was going to wait till someone left. <laughs> I can edit some laughing in later. I don't mind. Anyway, I, I've, I've shared this quote before uh, from an HR consultant and a motivational speaker by the name of Robert Half. And he says, hard work without talent is a shame. But talent without hard work is a tragedy. So think about that. If you've got, if you work, 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 but you don't have the right skills and you just work, 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 it may be in vain and that's disappointing, but that's, that's just a shame. But he says, but if you've got the talent and you don't apply it, he says, that's a tragedy. During the pandemic, I've, I've done some mentoring and presentations for some elementary classrooms. And it's, it's a great program where you can connect to an urban classroom and talk about a, a topic. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It really is. And I'll give you guys information if you want it. I uh, did one on weather the other day and the kids are just, they're just fun. But in the spirit of that, I always try to come up with some sort of fun illustration because in my mind, the kids are trapped in the classroom with the teacher and they just can't get out like they were, you know, now that the pandemic's going on. So for, for someone, a, 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 someone outside of the classroom to come in 20 or 30 minutes and, and do, do a big Zoom presentation is a lot of fun. And it's fun for me. So I'm going to take the liberty of using that kind of illustration this morning. And we're going to talk about cookies. Not store-bought cookies, but homemade. And you know there's a difference. Okay. But if you were to bake a batch, and for some reason you don't include chocolate chips, it's, it's disappointing. But you still have a decent dessert. You have a, a cookie. It's still a cookie. 
And if you don't have raisins for your oatmeal raisin cookies, if you're me, you look twice at cherry and you say, I know you hate raisins and you intentionally didn't buy them. But once you get past that, you still have a cookie, right? It just doesn't have all the ingredients, but still good. But what if you were to forget the sugar or the flour or the butter or the salt? Well, now, now it's really affecting the end result. And it doesn't taste good and it doesn't look good. In fact, uh, it may just be flat out bitter. What about raw cookie dough lovers? I'm not that. Anybody raw? Yeah, some, so some people do that. It's not my thing, but I'm also the guy that likes fruitcakes. So I'm alone in my principles, I realize. Oh. They're right. <laughs> <laughs> you laughed at that. <laughs> But sometimes we want to rush our blessing, right? God, I know you've got a, something in mind, so I'm going to go after it. I'm going, to, I'm going to help you along, right? And we don't give God the time to do his work or the plan, you know, the full plan or the full timing to do it. And, and sure, it may taste good now, but it's not the intended result or blessing. So what will you, so what you will about a, say what you will about cookie dough, it isn't the same as a warm chocolate chip cookie with all the ingredients made right, mixed right, cooked right. But every part of this existence is a combination of components that we must balance and apply according to the recipe of God's will in order to produce the result that was intended. Now life, this is our life, our human lives, there's a lot of ingredients that go into it, but, but as Mark read this morning's scripture from 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through all mixed together. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the body is easy. The body is the physical form of us. It may be temporary, but it is of great importance. In fact, it's the Apostle Paul that reminds us in Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Right? In everything we do. And in a letter to the early church in Corinth, he, he reminds us that our bodies have been bought with a price. And that was the life of Jesus Christ. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So we talked a little bit about worship earlier this morning. Mark, I, I love what you shared about the story behind that hymn. And, and there's stories behind the songs of worship. And worship is certainly one way we worship. Offering, giving offering, giving our time is another way we worship. Honoring God and, and living a Christ-like life and all that that means is worshiping God in everything we do. And we have a conference coming up here at the beginning of February um, over in, in Eldon that we're all invited to. And that's one of the topics is going to be on worship. And it's not just going to be about the music. So I'm excited about that. So we worship God with our body, our physical body. You know, we have body, we have soul, we have spirit. In Genesis 2-7, so all the way at the beginning, states that the mankind was created as a living soul. And the soul consists of the mind, you know, our conscience and our, our conscious thought, and the will and emotions. And I'll talk about a bunch of ingredients that we can get messed up. You start throwing in our emotions with all that stuff. And the soul and the spirit are mysteriously tied together and make up what Scripture calls our heart. And scripture advises in the wisdom of Proverbs 4.23 that we watch over our hearts with diligence for from it flows the spring of life, right? It is, it is our soul and our spirit is our heart and we're supposed to, Christ supposed to reside in our heart. As human beings, we, we dwell in our body for a time, a temporary time, and we have a soul and we have an eternal spirit. And thanks to the mercy of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have the hope of that eternity of spirit with them. 
And the psalmist celebrates this when he, he says to God, he says, you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm set aside. I am special. He says, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I know it in my heart. You see, you're more than just a set of bones and flesh, much more than the sum of your mistakes, even though sometimes that's what we feel like, and much more value than you could possibly comprehend. Again, I want to encourage you to go back to the message reflected in truth when we talked about seeing ourselves as the wonderful and perfectly created work of God that you are. And if you think we are a complicated collection of ingredients with our body and our soul and spirit, what about life itself? The Bible is full of stories of God's people facing situations of all kinds, times of abundance, times of struggle, times of desolation, and, and mountaintop moments. And we see these through the Bible. We see these in, in, in history, that life is a blend of experiences and emotions. And as Ecclesiastes 3 reports, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. And it shares this list, which is not by any means inclusive, but it says a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And we can look at any moment in history and see where we fall on all these things, but they're all a part of this experience that we call life. And these ingredients make up the human experience. And these ingredients in, in proper order and proper proportion make up the Christian life. Because James 1, 2 through 3, and I love this verse. I use it all the time. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that it is the testing of your faith that produces perseverance. Right? The bad experiences, the tough experiences. There's a time for that. And if you were to keep reading, and we, we certainly focus on our one or two verses we love, but if we keep reading, now we're looking at James 1, 3 through 4. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance furnish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Great. Now I hear that I should find joy in these things, and there's going to be more of them. And if you keep reading one more verse, James 1, 5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. It's okay to say, God, why am I going through this? What's the lesson to learn? He may not answer. He may not answer the way you want. He may not answer the right away, but he will hear your prayer. And I told you that you are absolutely equipped to accomplish God's purpose for your life. Perhaps you need to ask him for the things you think you lack. And I stress the word think. You know, when Moses was instructed by God to approach the Pharaoh and demand the release of the Israelites, do you remember what he said? From Exodus 4.10, he says, pardon your servant, right? Like, forgive me, God. He says, I've never been eloquent, neither in past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue, right? Don't send me, I, I can't speak. 
But don't you think God knew this? In fact, scripture tells us that God became kind of irritated at this and they reminded Moses, I made you, I gave you that tongue and that ability or, or lack of eloquence. And God loves to use the imperfect because that's what we all are. And God knew that Moses had everything he needed to follow the directions. So perhaps it was courage that Moses lacked, not an eloquent tongue. But in response, God sent Aaron along with Moses to face Pharaoh. Was this because the two of them could overpower the Pharaoh and his great army? No, not likely. Was this because Moses knew more than God did about how to deal with people? No, now that you sent me, God, now you'll see that I'm right. And certainly not. Was God not only was God only going to be there because two or more would be gathered in his name? So now God's there. No, that's ridiculous. We know God is with us all the time, each one of us. So I can only speculate at God's purpose, but I can confidently say that this situation does demonstrate the importance of Christian unity and Christian community. We pray alongside and for each other. We gather in times of celebration and in times of sorrow. We surround each other with support and encouragement. And we know that this isn't just for the benefit of our immediate family, the, the person sitting in the pew in front of you or behind you, or even your neighbors. Christianity is not a religion. It is not a religion. It's a way of living. It's a way of living that shows love and concern and compassion for everyone. It just happens to be named after the guy that perfected it. At times, this comes really easy and naturally, right? There's people that we can easily love and forgive. At other times, it takes a concerted effort to love and to accept. And when needed, forgive. It takes intentionality. Our strength comes from the Lord. And one of the ways that we receive this is through each other. The Apostle Paul, when he was really deep into his ministry and he was really working to unify both Christians and, and Jews or Gentiles and Jews and understanding who the Messiah was and that he came for all people, he wrote several letters in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He says, when you come together, he gives us instructions. He says, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church, now this is the people, this is the body of believers, not the building or the organization, but everything must be done so that the people will be built up. In Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, you have to remember when Paul lived, we're talking about double-digit A.D. How much closer are we to that day now? But again, God has gifted you with your own special blend of ingredients that, that when we reunite, when we unite, we each bring that to the table. 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of these unique and intentional differences. Starting at verse 4, it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit, and it goes through the list of, of things that the people are equipped with. And they're not identical, but from one God, one Spirit with one goal, one common good. And if we were to jump ahead to verse 11, it says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Verse 12 talks about both unity and diversity within the body. 
says, just as the body through one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is, made up, is not made up of one part, but of many. He goes on to explain the purpose of an eye, an arm, an ear, and each purpose has its own part, and, and one can't do the work of the other and shouldn't try. And he's talking about our gifts when we come together. And verse 27, so this is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, it closes with this. It says, now you are a part of the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Amazing things can be done with even a single gift if Jesus is a part of your life. There's a story of a violinist by the name of Paganini. I, I kept wanting to say Panini, which is a delicious sandwich, but Paganini was a violinist, and, and he was playing before a large crowd one night in Paris. And as he was tuning his violin in front of the crowd, one of the strings broke, and the crowd was a little dismayed. But he just kept playing, and, and sure enough, another broke. And then a third, and now the crowd is very, just, you know, they gasp, and they're just... You know, and, and, and it says that, the story says that he stepped forward to the front of the stage. He says, ladies and gentlemen, he says, one string and Paganini. So he was going to make this presentation. And with that violin and only the one string, he produced such music had never been heard. It was said that he made it sing like a nightingale and also weep. He says, while the melody was a chorus of angelic voices. And when he sat down, the applause was overwhelming. People wept for joy and shouted at the top of their voices. One string in Paganini, that is it. Friends, faithfully place yourselves in the hand of the great artist and watch what he does with your skills or skill. I must, I'm sure that must have been a disappointing at first for the audience who expected to see this great performance. And, and if I had gotten dressed up and paid this money to go see this guy, the great Paganini, and, and, and if I was told in advance, he's just going to play on one string. And all that stuff you hear, he's just, he's just going to do the the one string, probably would have just stayed at home. And I think that's sometimes why God doesn't tell us what we're about to face because then we miss the miracle of the great performance. But we know from our own experience that God works in wonderful and miraculous ways and he produces something better than we thought was possible even in the midst of a perceived mess. All of the necessary ingredients exist and he's orchestrating the composition so go ahead and put raisins in your cookies. If she was here, I'd be getting dirty looks. But, but what does proper prioritization and, and blending and application of God-given ingredients look like? Well, it looks like a person who exhibits a changed life. You don't have it perfect, but you're different. You're different because you're walking by faith and you, you share the gospel and, and you teach others, whether directly or indirectly, because they see how you're living your life. But you're doing this, you're teaching others to live like Christ. That is when all the pieces are working. And it looks like the pieces that make up the full armor of God when times are tough. Right? Ephesians 6.13 talks about the traits of this full armor of God that is a defensive weapon against the trials and evil of the world. And it was Jesus himself that said that we would face these. You know, we never know what kind of struggle we're going to face. And I heard another illustration. This is one of those trains in, in Europe that was going up a pretty steep grade. And, and a lady passenger was becoming a little nervous. And the, the conductor was passing through the, the carriage. And she kind of grabbed his sleeve. And, and he could tell she was pretty nervous. 
And she says, suppose something goes wrong with the engine. What, what's going to happen to us? And he says, it's okay. We have air brakes, ma'am. We're in good shape. And then she does like we all do. Well, suppose something happens to the air brakes. Well, we've got mechanical brakes, ma'am, and, and they're in good condition. She says, let's suppose everything fails. It all goes wrong. And he says, that, madam, depends on how you've lived. <laughs> and we laugh at that illustration, but how many things depend on how we have lived? You cannot enjoy the comfort and security of being a child of God unless you let Jesus into your life. Unless you know that when you're down to your last room that he's going to play it beautifully. Unless you know that when, when things aren't going the way that you think they are, that there's backup plans orchestrated by someone who has way more knowledge and talent and ability than you do. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and find that anchor for your soul. Both sure and steadfast as scripture defines it. So do you remember the ingredients that make up your life, your body, your soul, your spirit? You know, we're so often, especially this time of the year, at the beginning of the year, we're so wise about our bodies. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to get more rest. I'm going to do this stuff. But we're foolish about our souls. We're so busy with the rush from material things and the things that, that we think we can do that we don't realize what we should do. And we forget to take care of our spiritual self. And if we forget to remember that the future life is largely dependent on, on the present manner in which we're living. So with that, I offer an invitation. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, if you, if you haven't talked to him in a while, if you haven't reapproached the cross with your humility and in your surrender and your confession, now's a good time to do that. Because he is in control. We have a wonderful God. He's given us everything we need and he wants to show us how to use it. We just have to turn it over to him. Let's make that our prayer. Would you pray with me? Father God, creator of all things good, you have a divine recipe for, for our lives and for this world. Lord, we just keep getting in the way. We rush to the, the finish. We think we know how to do it without the measurement. We, we use the wrong priorities, the wrong order, the wrong ingredients, and we, and we wonder why isn't this wonderful thing that you intended it for it to be. So Lord, help us to, to step back and give that all-important control to the one that actually belongs to, and that's you. Lord, when we turn over our lives to you, when we claim the salvation made possible through your son on the cross, Lord, we have been given everything we need to a purposeful, abundant life. Sometimes we just don't know what that looks like. So Lord, soften our hearts. Speak to us this morning and this week and what we need to do to live intentionally in the areas of applying this lesson. Father, always I just want to conclude this, this message this morning with a, a prayer of gratitude. Thank you for who you are, what you've done for us and continue to do. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you here on Sunday morning. For those who are traveling or away, we, we're thankful for their safety and pray for continued health and safety for everyone. Those here this morning, those listening online later, we thank you. We claim the promises that you have made to our ancestors long ago, that you love us and you will never leave us. So Lord, we ask for strength of conviction as we strive to do our part. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.